Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. We are in this series, Bentonville First, and today we're looking at business, and we will start with words from the prophet Isaiah. Here are the words from chapter 31, verses 7 to 9. The Lord proclaims, sing joyfully for the people of Jacob, shout for the leading nation, raise your voices with praise and call out, the Lord has saved his people, the remaining few in Israel. I'm going to bring them back from the north. I will gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the disabled, expectant mothers and those in labor. A great throng will return here. With tears of joy they will come. While they pray, I will bring them back. I will lead them by quiet streams on smooth paths so they don't stumble. I will be Israel's father. Ephraim will be my oldest child. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So let's invite us, our panel from this week to join this conversation. Let's see a few clips. I think that's what I love most about Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas. We, we create these blank pages and we kind of throw things that spaghetti to the wall and see what sticks. And then we work towards it and we do it very well collaboratively. We've grown by almost 57,000 people in Northwest Arkansas over the last five years. We're projected to grow by another 53-ish thousand over the next five years. So that growth and development that, that, inflow of people from across the country candidly from across the across the globe looking at northwest arkansas that's going to increase that brings its great attributes and it also brings some challenges covid's in in uh, has impacted our ability to maintain an ongoing stream of employees and i think it's been referenced here a couple of times this morning whenever we all woke up just shy of 10,000 open jobs in northwest arkansas it's kind of changed now. I, we have more challenges um, in our industry. Uh, how do I help our restaurants? How do I support our hotels? Um, how do we help with retail? What do we do to make uh, the experience positive for our consumers so that they have confidence? So those are some of our major, major challenges right now. We're staring down the barrel of a little over 130,000 Northwest Arkansans staring down the barrel of retirement here in the next year to two. Ooh. So as we talk about that wealth of institutional knowledge, eyeballing going home. Our, our current generations who are working, who are, who are probably watching today, who have jobs, who have experiences to mentor, to teach, to engage, to me the success starts whenever we bring that knowledge, that awareness piece into our children's lives early. And then we continue to stay connected with ongoing mentoring, engagement in the process, engagement in their lives. A lot of our kids need that mentor to look up to, to follow, to, to see the right way to go. And, you know, in this community that's got great prosperity, uh, how do we ensure that the systems are set up in such a way that, that all people have um, equitable access to that, uh, whatever the system may be, you know, health care, education, um, 
uh, work, um, you know, so many of the things that we've talked about here today. The real opportunity is taking the diverse population that we have, integrating it into Northwest Arkansas and creating a, a model workforce that anybody would be proud of. And, and that's a, it's a challenge, but it's certainly not uh, impossible. So, you know, the face of Northwest Arkansas has changed a lot. And so, you know, I think when we think about uh, inclusion from a Walmart perspective, uh, we often talk about wanting to ensure that there is uh, an inclusive experience for our associates where they live, work, and play. And as a big community, and that would be an inclusionary community that includes all races, creeds, colors, religion, you name it, and we need to come together. Uh, a very wise person in my mind said, all you need is love. It's 597 BCE. Jerusalem is surrounded by Babylon's army. There is pressure. They are under siege. And within the walls of Jerusalem is a man who knew this was coming. The prophet Jeremiah had warned the people, these days were upon us. He knew that this was coming. But in the midst of that, Jeremiah also knew that while they would be deported, it was Babylon's practice to take the best and brightest of an area and deport them to Babylon to the capital city, and then to scatter other people into the area. And they did this so that they would mix up the culture and make Babylon the common culture. Jeremiah knew that was coming. But he also had a vision from God that this would not be forever. That they would return from the exile. And in fact, they would return from the exile in 539 when Cyrus the Great of Persia would overtake Babylon. Cyrus the Great a secular leader would see the value in letting the people of God return home to Jerusalem. And so in 539, they would begin that return. But as Jeremiah is sitting in these sieged walls of Jerusalem, he casts a vision for that return for the people. He shares with them that there is hope that we will come back. And that's the passage that we heard today. And in that passage, we heard Five characteristics of this vision, that the few will become many. They will come from the north and the ends of the earth. It will be a fully inclusive community, even including those that would have a difficulty traveling back. They would be part of this community. That it would involve beautiful, quiet streams and smooth paths, and that God would nurture it all. We are in just such a moment in Bentonville. We are returning from an exile. We have been in the exile of the pandemic, and we face the reality of stepping into the future that is before us now. And this growth that we have experienced actually all through in this part of the world, um, but we will continue to see in great numbers, um, this growth is being driven by a largely secular force. 
But the few will become many. In fact, the few already are becoming many. You heard Joe Rollins talk about that in the last five years, 57,000 people have moved to Northwest Arkansas. In the next five years, they expect 53,000 to move into this part of the world. And they are coming from all over. Not just the north, although that's certainly the case, but they're coming from around the world to be part of this community. And it is not just our economic engine that is drawing people here, although that is certainly part of it. It is also our quality of life that is marked by beautiful streams and smooth paths. And then is this area is working to be inclusive, to make space for all of those people. All of the panelists mentioned the power of that work and how it can make us stronger, how it can make us a model workforce for the world to emulate. And I'll tell you, it did that for Jerusalem. Jerusalem came back a much more diverse population and they were stronger because of it. They were able to withhold and withstand any other invaders for the next more than 500 years because they had this diversity of life perspectives all at work. And Bentonville's experiencing the power of that strength now. And I am so grateful that this church is leading out on that. When you passed that welcome statement, when you said, all are welcome here, when you put it on our buildings, you made that claim in the name of God. And I got to say, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's little yard signs all around that look like our logo all over the city. We're not doing that. I don't know who is. We've been trying to find out. But, but it caught fire, and, and other, other companies are taking that up. And when I went out, I did a, I did a wedding at Thaden Field this past weekend, and they have signs that are printed that say, All are welcome. So here we are as the church leading in God's transformative work. We are that piece of this vision. We are the ones that bring God into the conversation. We know that God is already at work. God works through secular things. But we as the church get to explicitly name and bring God into the conversation. What a profound vision of hope for our community. But I'll be honest, friends. The return from exile does bring its challenges. It brought challenges then. And it brings challenges now. And in general, there are two challenges that a return from exile bring with it. First, there is that struggle of making a transition from an old culture to a new culture. There's tension there. And then there is always this reality that the most vulnerable among us may be faced with being pushed out. Certainly in Jerusalem as they returned to the Holy Land, that happened. There was a tension between the old ways of doing things and the new ways that had been learned from places all over the world. And then those returning from Babylon who remember were the best and brightest and usually were the people that were resourced. And they came back with resources, I will tell you. They landed on top of a population that was largely agrarian, that was living a subsistence existence, and they threatened to push those people who had kept the land out. Our whole country, in fact, our whole world, stands in that tension now. And one of the ways that we see that tension in our country really coming to bear is in what's called the Great Resignation. Did y'all know that in, in August, 4.3 million people resigned? 
That's almost 3% of the workforce walked away from their jobs. Now, I frequently hear from people, well, that's because those unemployment benefits have been extended. Well, the additional benefits have actually really um, expired pretty much everywhere now. But regardless, these are people who quit. You typically can't draw unemployment if you quit, only if you've been fired. So that's not what is driving the Great Resignation. Professor Anthony Klotz, who actually coined the term the Great Resignation, says he thinks four things are primarily at work. First, there's a backlog of resignations. People who would have quit their jobs didn't during the, the heat of the pandemic. They wanted the security of the job, so they stayed in jobs that they would have let go for longer than they would have. So, so that's catching up with us. Then there's burnout. And the only way to correct burnout is to get away from the thing that is burning you out. Sometimes you can do it with a vacation, but sometimes you just got to go. Then the ability to work from home gave workers an autonomy that they really want. And so as employers have then started to insist on you need to return to the office, employees have said, why though? Why can't we stay and keep working at home? And then the last thing Professor Klotz points to is what's called the pandemic epiphany. There's a lot of soul searching that went on in the midst of this time with us. And some of the things that people asked were, do I like the trajectory of my life? Am I being treated like a human being or am I being treated like a job? And what price am I paying for working? And I will share with you that women are being disproportionately affected by this moment. They are resigning at rates of two to one versus men. And, and part of that is because the U.S. has not invested in the care economy. We used to be the largest employer of women in the world. And now we're sixth out of the seven largest economies. And that's because we didn't invest in things like pay protected maternity leave or, or provide child care or provide care for elderly. We didn't make those investments in what's called the care economy. And so women, and this probably is gender expectations that we are still dealing with, women feel that pressure more than men and are making the decision, my family is more important than this job. I'm going home. I'm going home. Bentonville faces this challenge, too. You heard uh, Joe Rollins make reference to the fact that that day when we woke up, there were almost 10,000 open jobs in Northwest Arkansas. And in the next one to two years, 130,000 Northwest Arkansans are going to retire. That provides great opportunity for people, but also as those jobs go unfilled, that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the economy and on our ability to have the quality of life that we are seeking to have. All, and, then, and then, of course, we also have, as was mentioned, has been mentioned by all the panels that we've seen, this pressure on housing. It's becoming too expensive to live here. And that, in turn, is driving the most vulnerable among us out. So how can the church serve and bring God into this moment? How can we be the part of this vision that brings God into this place. Well, let me first say that we can fight for justice for the most vulnerable. This is who we are, y'all. Jesus stood with the most vulnerable, so do we. 
So if it's stirring in you that we've got a problem with housing in here or that, that, that the most vulnerable among us in our education system are, are being sort of ignored or, or pushed to the side, if that's starting to stir with you, why don't you with me and I'll put you in contact with other people that that's stirring. And we can make a difference. Advocacy. I mean, we have a media engine now. Y'all, we can be a voice that makes a stand for the vulnerable among us. We can also help fill in some of the gaps in the care economy. We are the family of God and we live as family. So we can support those families that are feeling so much pressure and need help, need support to get through their lives. And let me put a challenge, two challenges before you today. We have not opened our nursery up to this point. Um, we've been cautious and careful of the, of the smallest among us. But we do plan to reopen the nursery in November. And I say we plan to. We don't actually have enough volunteers to make that happen. Now, I know some of y'all have missed time with your grandkids. Well, I know some little babies whose families would love to come back to church, who would love to be grandmothered or grandfathered. If you could just sign up and give one Sunday every month or two months so that our nursery can reopen. We're only going to do it during the Sunday school hour and this worship hour to start. So invest. Say to families, you matter. When, when I've had conversations with y'all and done the four questions, that's something that's come up over and over. Is that we, we believe in nurturing and raising the younger ones up in the faith. Well, this is how we do it. And then say to this community that we want to create a safe space for children. So come do a trunk for Trunk or Treat. And we can sign up online for that or you can call Kristen and let her know that you want to do that. You don't even have to decorate the back of your trunk. Just so, show up and hand out candy and show some people some love, right? So that's how we can fill in some of the gaps in the care economy. And then this mentoring piece, this character development piece that I know we can bring in because discipleship is that. It is mentoring people in the faith. We know how to do that. And then I know about the wealth of business knowledge in this room right now. I know what you all have to give, the wisdom that you have that you can share with others. And the church is a place where we reflect on call. How about if we enter into this great resignation conversation and say, come and let's talk about what God's calling you to do. Because I tell you this, if you do the thing that God's calling you to do, you will have boundless energy for that work. So what if we made a space where people could come do that kind of reflection? And the church is also a testing ground for trying out new skills. If somebody out there wants to learn how to do, how to do broadcasting, how to do film editing, we can teach you now. <laughs> we couldn't have two years ago, but we can now. Um, or if you want to come here and learn what is it like to work for a nonprofit, come try it out. We'll help you. We can be a testing ground for that. You know, a couple of weeks ago I heard uh, from the Church of the Resurrection, they were proposing that you should do adult vocation Bible schools. And I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit's been stirring in me about doing that. And I think we could pull something like that together. We could work with our high school seniors, with our area college students, with some of the folks that are young in business, and help them do that kind of reflective work and help them make the choices of character and of ethics that we need in our business world. We can be a place where that is nurtured. And then we are also a place of community. And I'm going to tell you, if people start working from home and working from home, they're going to need a place to come see some people. 
And we can be that place where they know themselves loved, where they can experience fellowship, where they can know the joy of community. And I, I want to challenge you also, within the midst of that, in the midst of this moment, to keep being on board with in, innovation. I, I know some of you all have heard me say that I saw the greatest miracle I will ever see in my entire life on March 13th, 2020, when the church went from the 20th to the 21st century overnight. You did it. And now we're doing it well, and we're reaching people all around the world, and that's because of that spirit of innovation. That's stepping into that reality that God makes all things new. So let's continue to do that. Let's continue to innovate and reach more and more and grow this faith for the generations that are rising. And I know that's true to who you are because like I've said, I've had conversations with you all and you've named that. So I will also tell you this, that in the midst of that innovation, in the midst of the new, we will still stand on the values that hold true for us. So keep sharing with me what is important to you so that I know what those values are and we hold to them. I promise I will keep us Methodist, but who we're supposed to be within that witness is shaped by the passions that the Spirit has laid on you all. This is a tremendous moment. We are coming back from the exile, and we are coming back strong, but with some challenges, but nothing that the people of God cannot overcome, because with Christ all things are possible. And I will share this, another piece of the vision from Jeremiah. We can stand on this promise that God has plans for us. And we know those plans. For those plans are for a future filled with hope. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.